The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Welcome into the February 21st edition of the PFF Forecast. We have got some Jalen Ramsey hatred towards Josh Allen. A little bit of AAF knowledge from the two of us. <laughs> no, just one of us. Unstable stat of the week. And then this season review goes to the third pick, the New York Jets. Uh, we may throw a couple of other things in there, but for now, let's rock. All right. Um, where do you want to start? Let's start with the AAF. I mean, there's no other place to start. Yeah. You're the new chairman of the AAF, thanks to your seed investment of 250 million hours of your time into watching this uh, wonderful new league. It's almost like um, it's almost like any newborn baby. You know, they come out of the womb. Every newborn baby's ugly, and then or none are. They it vomit all over the place. They cry. They can't walk. They all need an injection of capital at the beginning. And then all of a sudden, start to crawl, stand up. Yeah, I like that. Grow a little hair. And it starts to take shape. Well, and not only that, but a few of them, eh, Christian Hackenberg, for example, throw things where they don't know where the outcome will be. You know, Hackenberg is funny. So there was an article written by a uh, Michael Rothstein. ESPN, how Christian Hackenberg is trying to rebuild his career in the Alliance of American Football. Let's start where, here. Where does one so? How do you rebuild something that was never that was never built or torn down to begin with? Well, so that's the question, right? Because like we we've been doing a lot, getting ready for uh, the draft, the combine, etc. Much of what we're doing is trying to project quarterback play. Uh, we've gone back into our grades of, on, on which we have Hackenberg uh, at least two years of his grades and adjusting for situation, adjusting for how good the quarterback was. And like Hackenberg is legitimately a standard deviation below the average college quarterback if you adjust for everything. So are we talking about rebuilding his career from like high school? Perhaps. Perhaps. I, I am un, unfamiliar. He was not a guy I scouted in high school. Didn't grind a lot of his high school film. When a comp doesn't come to you, <laughs> you leave it. You don't force a comp, George. Thread one of 33. I've picked out my 33 favorite plays for this crappy college player. Um, yeah, he was never good to begin with. He had one good game in college in his two years. Like one decent game um, where he, he graded well. The rest of it was pretty terrible. And hence the reason why... We would have not drafted him, and we said we wouldn't, and I think we've been fairly vindicated. The article is interesting, though, because it talks to quarterback coach Jeff Christensen. We're going to go to the Combine next week. He's a staple of the Combine. I'm excited to see him. He's a funny guy, has a lot of good stories. He's worked with Jimmy G, worked with Mahomes in the past, which obviously gives him a lot of credence because, you know, Correlation, causation. I, I'm just wondering where the, if that line right. of the GG plot is going to point up or down. Given great joke. So, <laughs> so anyways, he says there's in the story. You should go read it. In the story, he talks about working with him, and 
cites all these numbers. They worked for 90 straight days, 137 practices. They were doing two a days. And then all of a sudden, it clicked. And he cites these three throws. And that's like all that's wrong with, with football, it right? Is. Like we have hundreds and hundreds of snaps of him actually playing football. And then he goes and does drills for 130 days. And we find three throws that work. It's really hard to take someone that is not an accurate throw of the football and make them an accurate throw of the football. It just doesn't happen. Well, and, and that's what that is what PFF gets right, right? In terms of we have all of the data, right? So like that brings me back to a tweet by you know a prominent person who basically said that points out one throw in the Senior Bowl says this one throw can only be made by five of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Like this is a starter caliber thing right and then the question becomes okay but like can you ever can you replicate this at the nfl level can you can you you know is it important to replicate it at the nfl level we're talking about uh, unstable stat of the week in a little bit here like pff gets right the fact that christian hackenberg cannot perform consistently that the types of throws expected of a college quarterback let alone the types of throws of an nfl quarterback and so what he does in like one or two plays is sort of irrelevant relative to you know his ability to be a competent quarterback which we know the drew breezes of the world the, the tom brady's of the world the patrick mahomes of the world are consistently making all the all the throws necessary and and, and again as you said pointing out one or two plays where a guy looks competent is the uh is it's everything it's one of the biggest faults that we have i think as a society right we're just drawn to the sensational aspects particularly of football so christian hackenberg good luck uh you do have an aaf god that is a great aaf just rolls off the tongue Uh, a a wager the alliance wager for us to make though right yeah so uh my our colleague ben brown uh and I wrote the power rankings essentially what we did you know just to be transparent we took the uh, the early season basically the odds to win the championship we use that as our seed and then we rolled in the elo algorithm that we use for uh the nfl um and we you know we came up with the rankings you can go to profootballfocus.com to look at them one of the things that we've been getting okay what's the pick some flack for is the salt lake stallions who are so far zero and two lost two row games they're ahead of the Birmingham Iron, who they lost to last week on the road. They are currently four-and-a-half-point underdogs at home against an Arizona Hotshots team that they lost to in week one. Uh, I think that that is a good pick. Great. One of the nice things about the AAF is that it's the perfect league for betting. You know why? Well, no one knows anything. No one knows anything. You can't possibly watch the games unless you bet on them. So if you were looking for something to do this weekend, there you go. Listen, that's like th- three o'clock Eastern is like right in between your two workouts on Saturday. So I think it's also when Tiger tees off golf. Another thing you can't watch unless you have some money riding on it. That's incorrect. If Tiger's playing, <laughs> you can watch. Otherwise, may God help you. All right. Unstable stat of the week brought to us by Le'Veon Bell's weight. I'd like to pour out a little bit for Le'Veon Bell, who apparently has ballooned to 260. He lit. Four, uh, 14.5, is that the number? Million dollars on fire and then ate it. Well, no, I mean, it looks like that was the only thing that has been burning in Bell's life 
over the last <laughs> 12 months. <laughs> no calories being burned over there. Uh, he also well, no, a, he saw he saw CJ Anderson. He had a video lead the league in EPA per rush attempt this year. It's going to be a future Ram in week 14. Um he did also post a video of him playing video games, and in the video were rolled blunts. If there is ever a sign that this person has been gaining weight, it's playing video games with blunts on the screen. That is a it, telltale sign. Well, he, he's never he's never overweight. not gotten in trouble with blunts before. This is true. The maybe he's also trying to mimic his friend Legarrett, who, you know. It's Went been, to Detroit to die last year. <laughs> has been a multi-Super Bowl champion thanks to his uh, robust status on the football field. Le'Veon Bell, when he came out of college, had a weight issue. Remember, he became good when he lost, lost weight. weight and you know was able to take advantage of his newfound speed. Um, okay, let me ask you this. If he's actually 260, what do you put the chances of him actually playing in the NFL? Again? Again. It's 100% because we, we don't live in a rational world. Okay, Some so. team is going to chase him. They're going to think ticket sales. Like he's going to play for like Tampa Bay. Okay. Although Arians Houston. is. Yeah, Houston. He's destined to go to Houston. Arians Lamar is Miller no idiot. So. Anyways, the unstable stat of the week is actually a real stat. And it's uh, to do with the New York Jets. Who we're going to talk about here in a second. Sam Darnold's deep passer rating. Those throws that travel 20 plus yards downfield was 42. It's not good, in case you're wondering. He had a 10% interception rate on those throws. His turnover-worthy play rate was double the league average. His big-time throw rate was half the league average. That's all awful. Here's the good news. Deep throws are unstable as heck. The first part of that is that they don't happen very often. And the second is that so much of it is dependent on randomness, right? Is the receiver able to make one or two plays on the ball does a quarterback make one or two plays on the ball your your accuracy all of a sudden whether you're just off by a little bit you're thrown to the sideline things like that can take a small sample and dramatically skew things like pass rating so for that reason i'd chill out about it Uh, if you look at the quarterback annual we talk about the instability of these things um the thing about football that you have to be careful about and this is going to be something we're going to say every week High leverage situations that happen infrequently are always going to skew our perception of players that you should always fade those uh, extremes. All right, next up, we've got Jalen Ramsey and Josh Allen. Jalen Ramsey told Josh Allen he was trash, I think is what he said. And Josh Allen came back with, I guess, so am I still trash after his season? Which is almost like, uh, it's like those people that, make like spaghetti and they like mm-hmm. take a picture of it and send it to gordon ramsay and they're like what do you think <laughs> what are you expecting him hey. to say this is awesome can i hire you unlike hackenberg allen was actually an above average passer in college but it wasn't by much <laughs> well here's the problem for josh allen he was a below uh replacement level quarterback last year because he was really bad throwing the ball he was pretty good running the ball which is interesting. Um, Jalen Ramsey, a far more valuable player, yes? Yeah, I think so. So would you trade Jalen Ramsey for Josh Allen? You got to throw Cody Kessler in there. I mean, it's an interesting question. Yeah, no. So I don't. The Bills wouldn't do that. 
No, right. there's no way. I mean, because we're going to talk about the Jets today. There is there is something valuable about having hope at the quarterback position, right? So, like, what what makes what makes what the Jaguars are going through more tragic football wise mm-hmm. than what the Bills are going through? They have no hope at the quarterback position. Minnesota with Kirk Cousins, like, if he's average again. No hope at the quarterback position. What do the Jets, what do the Browns, what do the Bills, what do the Cardinals all have? They have hope. At, the Ravens all have hope at the quarterback position. We, we know that quarterbacks get better as they age. The Bills currently have hope. Whether we think it's misguided or not, they're going to value that more than they are going to one of the best cornerbacks uh, in, the, in the NFL. Yeah. I would trade him. No, I... We don't think that Allen is a good prospect, but the Bills certainly do, and they yep. and he generated through uh, we think unstable things like running. Um, he generated a decent amount of value for them relative to what we expected. Um, that being said, Ramsey, who had a downish year relative to seventeen, uh, we think on a consistent basis will be a more valuable player at what is a premium position. Yeah, Allen was the least accurate quarterback in the NFL. Highest rate of uncatchable throws. Fourth worst negative, uh, negatively graded throw rate. And here's the interesting thing. On scramble drills, like what you expect him to be good at, 10% of those <laughs> dropbacks resulted in a turnover-worthy play, which is twice the league average. And he averaged a negative expected points added per play on those dropbacks. So those were not beneficial to his team, despite the fact that they probably created a couple of highlights and that is likely what people are excited about. Um, you have to you have to look at the whole sample. You man. have to. But the you thing is, is the Bills it. are going to come back and say, "Well, we Robert or Robert Foster was like an undrafted player who didn't even start. Right. He was one of his best receivers. Lashawn McCoy's old. The offensive line's not good. Yep. Um, you know, all those kinds of things. Like they're going to come back and and give excuses that I think are somewhat valid. We're going to come back and say, "Yeah, but." That, those are valid excuses for guys like Josh Rosen, who we have as decent prospects. You know, uh, yeah. Sam Darnold, who we have as a great prospect, not a guy who we don't think could hit the broadside of a barn if it was presented to him. Ooh. All right. Uh, two other guys that have been um, mentioned in trade talks that are actually real. Odell Beckham Jr. and Antonio Brown. Um, which of these guys would you rather trade for? Beckham. Just because he's younger? Younger. I also think he's, like, I think that his, like, off the feet, like, the stuff that he causes in the locker room is more yeah. fake than Antonio Brown stuff. Like, I think Beckham just really wants to win, and he voices that. I think Brown, Brown's great. But he's older. Yep. He's going to cause, he's going to cause, I think, an equal number of distractions, in which case, like, I think you just shield or you know shy towards uh the other thing is is that odell buckham jr has done what he's done with frankly a below average quarterback and a below average offense and in many cases a below average play caller antonio brown has had situations where his quarterback is a first ballot hall of famer his coordinator has been good at times feekner was very good last year and and he's had complimentary pieces like juju smith schuster mike wallace uh you know they've i i think beckham is process wise the better player right now so if you have to give up what would you think a team they would ask what two firsts for odell 
Right, which is why they will never trade him. Probably the starting yeah. asking price, right? Whereas Brown, it sounds like there's so many issues that they're they're going to be satisfied with like a two for him. Right. So if that if I'm comparing those things, I think I would rather trade Brown. a two for Antonio Brown than two first for Odell. What's interesting is that you know Antonio Brown has been incredibly consistent. He has played a ton, and I don't know if that's like a good thing or a bad thing mm-hmm. because with Odell, it's like well he's had some injury issues, you know all this. His ceiling is, you know, as as high as anybody's, and he's younger. And you, you know, you have him through age twenty one. He signed that extension, right? It's still a huge cap number, nineteen million. But you're giving up two first round picks for for Antonio Brown. If you're a team that's close, and you give up a second, yeah, yeah. Like if I'm the Patriots and I'm trading for one of those guys, I'm trading for Antonio Brown. Well, but it's the same thing as Randy Moss, right? In, t- in yeah. terms of oh seven, you're like. You know, I'm not going to give up two ones for him, but I'm going to give up a four, and and he's going to play nice for long enough to make it worthwhile, and we're going to let him go when it's not. The thing with the Giants is that you know, if you give up Odell Beckham Jr. for anything less than what you're describing, you're ridiculous. You're getting fleeced. Yeah. And so, which team? So okay, we've got to move on, but I want to get you out on this. Which team would you most like to see trade for one of these guys? Uh. I mean, I think Brown to San Francisco would be great. Yep. Um, I I don't see Beckham being traded, um, but I honestly don't think that there's a team where I wouldn't want to see Beckham if he oh, were available. Yeah, because he's that he's a transform transformational player at this point in his career. I do think there are a couple of teams that shouldn't just because of the needs they have in other places. Like I don't think the Falcons should yeah. trade for one of these guys because they need desperately need people that can cover. Um, I think the Texans are kind of in that because they have an atrocious offensive line. Like they have so many atrocities along their their team that if you're going to give up all that draft capital, yeah. uh, I'm trying to you know pick some um, some places here. There is one team that I think has to make a move or try to make a move for one of these guys, and that's the Green Bay Packers. Well, I think Brown. If you look at the plays he's made over the like the back shoulder throw, would be un, unguardable with with Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to require some. I think over, for him to re, be revitalized, he might require somebody that good to sort of pep him up a little bit. Yep. The thing that I thought was really cool is Matt Lafleur was talking about he's hiring a in game uh, strategy coach to like tell him how to you know to go yep. for fourth downs and stuff like that. Green Bay might be might be pretty uh, scary if that if they get you know uh, Antonio Brown and and Green Bay is a place where you only can focus on football. So yeah, I, I think you have to make that move. The funny thing is that that would they could potentially turn Marcus Davenport into Jair Alexander and Antonio Brown, which is exactly why you trade down. It's why you yeah. don't trade up. I mean, this is yeah. It's just it's sad to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, Antonio Brown has had years where he has been three wins above replacement. That that and, would and every year since 2012, he's at least been a one win player. Even last year, in what we thought was a down year, right. he was very productive. I think the Packers need to make that move. All right, a uh, couple of other things. Is, is Ezekiel Elliott good? You wrote a nice little article. I think it'll be up on the website by the end of the week. Yeah, about our buddy Zeke. Um, is Ezekiel Elliott good? I think he's average. What say you? We get a lot of comments about his grade. And so I went ahead and looked at it. And, and essentially, my thought is uh, he, he's not excellent at anything 
that we do that tries to isolate the running back himself. Mm-hmm. So he's in the 30s in terms of elusive rating, one of our most stable metrics for backs. He's in the teens in terms of yards per route run. He fumbles a decent amount, you know, doesn't break as many tackles as one would expect. He gets a lot of volume. And the Dallas Cowboys in our opponent-adjusted offensive line grades are a very good run-blocking team. They do not do as well offensively running the football as you would expect from an offensive line that good. So I think Ezekiel, it's good because I think every NFL running back's good. I don't think he's exceptional, uh, in which case I think our grading of him is probably fine. Fumbles are often overlooked. You go back to Adrian Peterson. It, people just for some reason like to not downgrade people for fumbles when a turnover is such a costly play not docking guys for fumbling the ball is well atrocious given that you're going to applaud him for a five-yard gain a fumble on a running play is even worse because the thing about it is is running the football is all also already risky because you're giving up the opportunity to pass the ball which is positive yep. and then you happen to and then you fumble on a run play it's even worse so i think I think, honestly, running back fumbles are worse than interceptions for QBs because at least for interceptions for QBs, you are attempting to go downfield. There is a reward tied to the possibility when you throw that pass. The the thing with Ezekiel Elliott is that he's going to – there are people – whether it's you know on SportsCenter or in Dallas or whatever, who when you ask them to list the Cowboys' priorities, they will put Zeke one or two. Yeah, in terms of like who they need to lock up, and the Cowboys almost deserve this because they're such a they make so much darn money, but they are going to be saddled with mediocrity. They're going to re-sign Dak. They're going to they're going to give Mari Cooper a ton of money. Cooper. They're going to give all this money to Zeke Elliott, and they're going to be the Cowboys will go as far as Kellen Moore, Dak Prescott, and Amari Cooper take them. This is correct. Um, All right. Anything else? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't even really want to comment on this, but what I thought was interesting was a dark web consideration. Oh, a consideration. So our friend Evan Silva said, I'm pretty convinced the root of pro football play calling gap comes down to decision-making mindset where the goal is reaching third and manageable versus a mindset whose goal is to maximize yards, yards and points with each play call. I think that's the crux. We've been saying this for years now. Uh, there's a response to this by uh, Jazahola1. Who says offense isn't just about scoring? Oh, being able to control the ball, Ooh. maximizing the number of plays, and time off the clock is also an important goal for an offense. Ability to do this to protect the lead in the second half is also critical. My favorite thing about maximization. Fo- my favorite control. thing. Of, my favorite thing about football is when people deify things that don't actually win games. Win games. Yeah. All of these things are not important. Makes me feel good, though. Hey, I need to get a quarterback who can get me 30 touchdowns and 4,000 yards passing. Like, I need to... Ball control, time of possession, those all matter. Actually, they don't. Like, winning... Evan has it correct. We've had it correct. The goal should be to score. Control the clock. Listen, sometimes... Take the clock. Bring it over to your sideline. Listen, do you know that the best... The the top-scoring offenses have never won a Super Bowl before? Well, there you go proof yeah losing the super bowl is worse than not making the playoffs altogether i would like to know to evan's point how many teams because i i would really i think the part of football that we have not been able to crack as much is what teams do 
when they're not on the field, right? The practicing component of things, right? So one thing we've always talked about is how do teams prepare for fourth downs, right? Like the Saints put money on the line in their fourth down situations and practice. They're able to replicate game situations better than other teams and they actually practice it. There's a reason that they're so successful. Uh, Drew Brees also helps. But how many teams actually have meetings where they're like, okay, we're going to get into third and manageable and here's our third and four yeah. play calls. But I, don't, I, I really am curious about that yeah. because it's, it's funny um, and these guys are paid so much darn money that for you to think that way is a fireball offense, um, obviously. It's just hilarious. People not being able to see, if you read these two tweets, that clearly all of those things are ancillary parts. You know, controlling the clock, <laughs> maximizing time of possession is all a function of having a successful offense that scores points is unbelievable. Well, it's the same thing about the whole, look, the teams that the defense won the Super Bowl. True. You're correct. Okay. Uh, team reviews. The New York Football Jets, they have the third overall pick. They took Sam Darnold. They were handed Sam Darnold last year, ironically, at the same spot. Will they be handed someone this year will be an interesting question because now they have Sam Darnold clearly not looking for a quarterback, or at least we don't think so. Um, so it, in light of what happened last year, it will be interesting to see what they do. 4-12 and 12 record, we thought they would be better. We had them at just under 7 wins. They're over under. Their total was 6. We like the over at plus 140. They were close. It looked pretty darn good uh, after a couple of weeks. And then um, yeah. things, went, things went downward. Yeah, they had close losses to the Browns in Cleveland because Mayfield came off the bench and uh, overcame them. In Miami, Jerome Baker's pick six cost them that game. Right. Uh, against the Titans, they moved the ball pretty well, but the Josh McCown drives all turned into field goals. They were eventually overtaken by the Titans. They lost a close game to the Texans at home, and then they lost to Green Bay at home, which was the only one that we picked uh, yeah. in our spread picks column. We had the Packers minus three. That one was a Christmas gift to us because the Packers came back, one tied over, the game, won in overtime. So... Uh, on a touchdown even so we we got green bay to cover there in a game where we probably were wrong so the jets were very much they, they shouldn't they also got blown out at home by matt barkley and the bills so there was plenty of games that could have got them over that six win total uh, i think i would have bet the over again if i had the opportunity well absolutely because here's what's so interesting about this team we expected them to be decent defensively that's like mm-hmm. todd bulls they thing, were right and they were you would not expect them to be this bad of an offensive team. They were 31st in rushing, 30th in passing, 30th overall, negative EPA per play, and a substantial bit of it. Darnold was throwing a ton of terrible passes. They didn't have a lot of talent. If you look at their least valuable, or sorry, their most valuable players, you don't see any offensive players there, right? They just didn't have guys that were creating a whole lot of value on the offensive side of the ball didn't have a great scheme right they made terrible decisions in terms of what they did on second downs what they did on fourth downs all of those things contributed to just making this offense a train wreck if they're just mid-20s they they go over yeah they weren't valuable were like jamal adams was the best player on their team he plays safety yep the second best player on their team was leonard williams who plays interior 
Avery Williamson, third best player on their team, plays linebacker. There weren't they signed Tremaine Johnson to a big deal. He was a flop in year one as, as a cornerback. Uh, Buster Screen made it through that entire contract. Was it bad the entire time of that contract? And then of course on the offensive side of the ball, you know Josh McCown was bad when he took over for Donald Darnold. Started poorly. Actually, weeks fourteen through seventeen was the highest graded quarterback in our system. Thirteen through seventeen, I believe he was second highest. So he obviously gives them hope to the future but in terms of 20 2018 and how it shook out was not good for them to win they go from you know they go from jeremy bates who is not particularly good in our, our coaching metric to to adam gaze who is actually a little bit worse um dowell loggins is pretty bad when he was the offensive coordinator of chicago so they go to those two guys gaze is an interesting study in that i think on a play-for-play basis you would not say he's a great you know play caller etc cetera, etc cetera. but those miami teams had no business going 10 and 6 right. in 2016 no business going 6 and 10 the next year no business going 7 and 9 and yet they overcame their very good in close games so you wonder if that's real or if the the play-by-play stuff for gays and logins will catch up to them casey rogers was a pretty good defensive coordinator last year's fourth in our coaching metric he's replaced by greg williams not so much so I don't know here. I'm a little torn on the Jets because I think that the quarterback is going to trump everything. But some of the decisions they made up top, you know, Matt Rule not being the head coach that was their first choice, uh, going with Gase here, I'm just a little bit skeptical. I think that it's hard to judge Gase because he had Peyton Manning and that was the reason he got a head coaching gig. And then he had Ryan Tannehill and, you know, who knows if anyone could have done anything with Ryan yeah. Tannehill who was an abomination last season. So... I think it's fair to give him a chance and see what he can do now that he has a, a young quarterback to work with. Spinning it forward, though, you look at some of the things that, you know, Darnold, as you said, was good weeks 13 through 17. He was god-awful. Prior to that, it was really sort of scary. Um, but some things that, you know, th- there's some reasons to be excited, right? They only ran play action 23.5% of the time, which is a league average rate. That's something that we've seen dramatically help Jared Goff in his second season. Maybe they can bump that up into the 30s, give him some more easy passes. He was 16th in terms of ball location accuracy to open targets, which we know to be pretty stable season to season. So that's a good thing. And then I mentioned the deep passing being terrible. He was actually above average throwing that 10 to 19 yard range, which is a a really solid thing to build on because of how valuable it is to throw at or pass the sticks the most valuable pass in the nfl that you actually make fairly often he was pretty good at so i think there's some reasons to be excited if you go back and you look at the college classes and we were doing this with kyler murray in mind and saying okay let's take all the situations and adjust their ball location accuracy for those situations right are you under pressure? How good is your offense? How good is the defense you're facing? Darnold ends up in third behind Mayfield and Murray, basically no matter how you slice it. So if we're saying, okay, where does he stack up in terms of the young quarterbacks to come out recently? There's no reason not to still be super optimistic yeah. with Sam Darnold and using the uh, you know college to pro projection system that you've worked so hard on over the past couple of of months there's some exciting things to think about because you can sort of project him forward given his age coming into the nfl this year and look we would expect him to be a you know to win above replacement player uh you know going into this season despite what happened uh you know prior 
Yeah, I think that, and that's and that's really where you have to put all your hope in the Jets, right? And and you look at, you know, over the course of the last like month of the season, he was he graded really well, but that offense didn't generate more than zero expected points per play. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that goes on who are the Jets trying to throw to, right? Quincy Anunwa had some good games, but it was hurt a lot of that time. Uh, my guy Robbie Anderson from Temple, you, you guys know, are very similar. Yeah. He uh <laughs> You know, he was good but inconsistent. Yep. Um, you know, yards per route run, similar to guys like Jarvis Landry, Stephon Diggs, Golden Tate, Doug Baldwin. But, like, he was, who is their tight end? Like, I couldn't, you know, running back. Austin's yeah, very Jenkins. Out of the backfield, Bilal Powell was, uh, was injured for a lot of that time. So, I think if you're the Jets, you really have to, when it starts with, you know, the receiving core, but also offensive line, you really need to put players around Darnold uh, because, you know, we've seen even with the Browns making minimal efforts to do so with Jarvis Landry and David Njoku, Duke Johnson, that really did help the young quarterback in Baker Mayfield. Right. So with that in mind, they have the third pick. This seems like a guaranteed trade down. Yeah. You would think. Even... Our buddy Mike, Mike Renner, in his mock draft has them trading down, which, look, rarely do we agree with Mike. himself would take a player if he was, you know, he'd be the David Gettleman of PFF if... if, uh, (laughs) I mean, it's interesting because, so say the Cardinals take Murray, then you've got the Raiders. The Raiders may even be trying to trade down. If Murray goes first, it really kind of screws things up for a lot of other teams if he doesn't then all of a sudden i think all those picks behind them get a little more valuable um it'll be interesting to see what sort of a market there is for the third pick maybe the the raiders get excited want to trade their you know a couple of back end picks uh, to move back up and you're able to kind of just get a a haul you know uh, as there is there any game theory going on in the cardinals here if you're thinking about okay we want to be the we want to be good quick. Do we screw up all the teams that are bad by taking Murray? Like, is does that add to it at all? I don't. I mean, that'd be kind of interesting to study. One of the things that I think is important when talking about their draft pick right now is they have almost a hundred million dollars in cap space, right? Um, so, or maybe even more now that they've they've let some guys go since I wrote this up. So, you know, they they're going to attack some premium positions, I think, in free agency, which I think will change their need structure and 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 you know because right now they need they need players at all the important positions they they could be players and they should be players in my opinion for guys like Jadavian Clowney for guys like Demarcus Lawrence because they don't have an edge presence to speak of they should be in the market for a Bryce Callahan of the world they should go for it right I mean because there there shouldn't be a top tier free agent that they don't go after going after and what's really nice about this draft is that you have the dalton reisners you have the jonah jonah williams you have the greg littles who i think one of them will be available at pick 12 pick 15 Mm -hmm. and so the trade back to get that offensive tackle will not only net them one of those players but also uh, you know, picks to to fill in positions. You know, like interior, they have James Carpenter's a free agent. Uh, you know, they probably could upgrade at center, uh, and then they obviously need receivers. And you don't really want to draft a receiver in the first round given their hit rate. Right. Uh, you know, he's going to be in his. You know, Darnold to me in his fifth year before any of these guys are any good. They could they could draft DK Metcalf and he could play tackle, tight end, and receiver. Yeah. Here's it. I think this is a good way to put their situation in perspective. Last year, we talked a lot about how the Colts won that trade with the Jets. 
And the comeback is, well, no, 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 they got a, they got a quarterback. And it's like, well, we're sitting here talking about how god-awful the rest of their team is. And just think about it this way. If they had not made that trade, okay, say they don't get Darnold. So say they're sitting here with a top three pick again. It could very well be number one. But they've gotten a bunch of other good players. They may be in the running for Kyler Murray. Now, I'd rather have Kyler Murray than Sam Darnold, which brings up sort of an interesting question, which is you get to three, Kyler Murray is still there. I would assume the market for Sam Darnold far higher than the market for Josh Rosen. You could probably get you know, any of those teams, the Jaguars, uh, the Giants, which would be funny, <laughs> to bite on Sam Darnold and get a haul that way. I don't think they're going to do it because that doesn't seem like a... a but a, a new, they're prepared a to new make. coach would be more likely to do that than the, the staff sure. that, that drafted that, Darnold. That is what I would be trying to do if I were the Jets. Now, the Jets have not reached out to me yet, so I have not given them this bit of game theory. Uh, I, I think that's what they should do. But an interesting way to look at this team is to say they are down the situation they are because they made a suboptimal trade with the Colts. The Colts benefited so greatly from that trade their team took a huge step forward and now the jets are in a situation where they could learn from their mistake trade back and potentially recoup some of those things and they could take a big jump forward next year a la the colts yeah i think and and so that's the benefit that you have when you and now the jets are not in the same position having definitively a franchise quarterback but that's the great thing about if you're the niners if you're the colts of last year not having a good season but still having a franchise quarterback you just have the entire league by the balls i think so say let me think this through a little bit so say the cardinals take bosa i i would think the raiders will take murray i i have well you're assuming they trade up with the niners uh sorry yes that they would trade up with the niners and take murray because the, the niners the niners the niners are going to look to trade down but let's say they don't do that and let's say the Niners can't find anyone to trade down. They go with, with Quinn and Williams. So they take Quinn and Williams. And the Jets are sitting there with <laughs> Kyler Murray on the board. You're telling me that you couldn't get from the Jags or the Giants their pick maybe plus another second plus a first next year at the minimum for Darnold? You could for sure, right? Yeah. Well, Absolutely. And Darnold, like, Darnold has that extra, like, intrinsic value of looking the part right being tall and like you know with murray is like oh, oh versus murray i thought you were saying murray, versus josh rose Mur- murray's short right murray murray's uh he has, he has all the things that like the traditional football people are going to be like they're going to undervalue him more all the idiots they, trying to control the clock are yeah, going to yeah, also yeah, not yeah, like yeah, yeah. uh so, so you're going to have Tyler more murray. value for darnold than you could Right. You could argue yeah. that you could extract more value for Darnold than you could for the number one pick and Kyler Murray. I, like I said, the Jets aren't going to do this. It's what they should do. It would get them, I think, into, compet- into the wild card competition uh, in the AFC much faster because we know that they're never going to win that division, uh, at least for the next 10 years while Tom Brady's there. So, man, I came up with that on the fly. It's brilliant. I, I think, I think it's you. amazing. You're welcome. Yep. I'll be. Uh, I won't be accepting job offers uh, to be a GM anytime soon because I'm perfectly um, happy in the place that I am right now. But 
thank you for the incoming I mean, ones I haven't received yet. It's going to happen. Great. All right. Uh, we will be in Indy next week. So we will do uh, our podcast at some point from some remote location, perhaps one of the 45 different steakhouses in Indianapolis. Indianapolis great place. They're known for two things, steakhouses and meth. So it should be fun. Are we going to go to a steakhouse? No, we're just going to... Oh, I thought you were going to say, are we going to go to a meth den? We're not. We steakhouse. <laughs> Stopsky, can you find a blanket that says PFF on it? We can throw it over. <laughs> we could like have the, the stuff going on in the back. We could be a real on-site radio show. Uh, no, yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I've never been. I've never taken a picture. I've never photobombed a Sean McVay scene. Oh. So that's just, this is your opportunity. It's my opportunity. certainly tall enough to do that. Um, d- don't want to scare anyone. We're not going to do any meth. It's just that when you exit the steakhouse, there's usually a couple of dead people. And I just presume that they were tweaking based on the other people that you see as you walk back to the hotel that are tweaking their mind. Sounds out. like machine learning happening. Exactly. All right. So we'll see you guys next week. In the meantime, Head to ProFootballFocus.com to check out all of the great content we have there to get a PFF Elite subscription. You get the quarterback annual, which we reference like 15 times in this podcast. And if you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter. Peace out.